I really just want to encourage you both as uh, individuals and as a church family to, to really take the time in this season to kind of rediscover ourselves, uh, rediscover who we are and rediscover who God is uh, and what he's doing in our midst. Hopefully most of you have been receiving our daily kind of devotional emails. Some of them come a bit late this week because I forgot to hit go. Um, one of them was an afternoon reflection. Um, um, but hopefully you found that, some of you, some of the feedback we've been getting, that you found that helpful uh, and found that to be a helpful tool in this process. And so as we step into the next 20 days of this 40-day journey, I just want to encourage you to be praying and uh, praying in this season of, of transformation. You know, as a, as a church, things have changed, haven't they, beyond recognition. We've, we've gone from being a church that rents a space and sets up and tears down every Sunday to uh, property owners. And um, when you own a property, uh, the certain responsibilities come into place, like we have to get this place refurbished. And uh, this isn't finished, by the way. You know, we're not like going for that hipster thing or anything like that. It's, this is a work in progress. And after the service today, um, uh, if, if just a handful of people are, val- are available, we need to clear this room because um, the ceiling's going to be painted this week and there's going to be new lights put in and all sorts of things going on in this room. So we need this room to be uh, cleared after the service day. So if you can help, uh, it'd be great for you, for you to stick around and, and help us do that. But as, this, as the fabric of this building is changed um, and transformed, so too, I think, are we as people. That something that of what God is doing in, in the physical of this building, he's also doing in our hearts and lives. And so that's the process that it feels like we're on as, as a, church, a church family. And so as we've been on this 40-day journey, here on a Sunday, we've just been really reflecting and looking in some different directions uh, and, and really just kind of looking at and reminding ourselves, and this was kind of not intentional, a little bit unintentional, uh, reminding ourselves about the goodness of God, uh, that he, he is a good God and um, that his character is before, uh, towards us, that he, he loves us, he cherishes us, he wants the best for us. And that's kind of what's been coming through as we've been on this journey, on this journey together. And so we, we began a few weeks ago by looking backwards and, and reminding ourselves about the faithfulness of God. And that when we remember the faithfulness of God, it gives us faith and hope that he will act again in the future. Uh, that, that the things that he's done in the past, he's more than committed to do again. And then last week, we were looking inward and looking and exploring this idea of God being the shepherd of our souls. He's the, he's the good shepherd who tends to his sheep. And some of us, as we go through this season of transition, we're recognising a, like a new level of dependency upon God, um, the, the shepherd of our souls. And so this week, we want to look upward. And so if you've got a Bible... Uh, Why don't you turn to Psalm 96. Before we dive in, I just want to ask you a a question. How many of us would admit um, with some level of honesty, um, you don't know what I'm going to ask you yet, but some level of honesty, or how many of us would know that 
in some ways, we're a little bit self-obsessed. Uh, anybody just a little bit willing to admit that? Uh, just a little bit? Some of you, we're going to take a picture now. Put your hand up. Uh, if you are self-obsessed, you shouldn't be that bothered, should you? <laughs> like, yeah, that's me. Um, um, the Guardian newspaper ran an article recently uh, called Me, 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 Are We Living Through a Narcissism Epidemic? And uh, this article was suggesting that whilst it takes time um, and a lot of work to diagnose someone uh, with a narcissistic disorder, um, the, the reality is, is that we live in a world that with rising levels of narcissistic traits. Uh, one major vehicle for this trait uh, is the internet and social media uh, and the rise of the selfie. Um, as, some, as one person called it, it's digital narcissism. Um, and as one writer said, he said, Welcome to the age of digital narcissism, a world of endless ostentation, opportunities, unlimited bragging and possibilities. Showing off has never been easier and, ironically, more celebrated. And so I, I was thinking, before we dive in this morning, we should... We should just try and do this. Okay. Um, can, we, can we? Can we? Uh, okay. Uh, just some of you are going to be in this. Okay. Okay. That, that will be on Instagram uh, in, in a while. Um, but as we um, live in a world that encourages us to be a little bit self obsessed. You know, I'm not saying that all of us are digital narcissists. Well, some of us are. But um, I'm not saying that all of us have that trait. Um, but we all have this ability, don't we, to have, you know, give the little status update and tweet and take a picture of our food. Yeah, that drives me mad. And I've been guilty of it. People take pictures of their food. Um, um, but whatever it might be, you know, we... We all kind of have a tendency to, to lean towards that. Uh, the problem is, is that we, although that's the story of our culture, isn't it? Uh, f- for us to put ourselves first and centre. Um, the, 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 reality, the reality is, is that we are called to live in a completely different story. You see, the story uh, that we're called into isn't a story that revolves around us. It's, it's a story that revolves around someone else. We're not the main characters in the story. Some of you would have heard of a guy called Rick Warren, and he wrote a book a few years ago called The Purpose Driven Life. And anybody remember what his opening words are in that book? It's not about you. It's not about you. He says this, The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It is far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose and for his purpose. He goes on to say this. He says, you were made by God and for God. And until you understand that, life will never make sense. 
It's only in God that we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, our destiny. Every other path leads to a dead end. And so in a self-obsessed world, in a world that's constantly taking selfies and reminding the world of how good we are, as followers of Jesus, we're called to live in a story that's not about us. It's not about us. And so um, I wondered if someone would come and just read Psalm 96 for us this morning. Where did the microphone go? Where did it go? Someone got a real Bible? I'm going to pick on someone if I don't get a volunteer. (coughs) Sam, you got a real Bible. The whole of Psalm 96. That's why... That's why I'm getting someone else to read it. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honour and majesty surround him. Strength and beauty fill his sanctuary. O nations of the world, recognise the Lord. Recognise that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offerings and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendour. Let all the earth tremble before him. Tell all the nations that the Lord reigns. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. He will judge all peoples fairly. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea and everything in it shout his praise. Let the fields and their crops burst out with joy. Let the trees of the forest rustle with praise before the Lord for he is coming. He is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with justice and the nations with his truth. Thank you. What sort of Bible was that? Uh, That's why, not a real Bible. Um, That backfired. Um, Okay, so this Sunday, this Sunday, I should have just read it myself. Uh, This Sunday, we are looking upward and, and, and kind of trying to place ourselves. In, in the right position as we learn to look upward towards God. Um, that, you know, we are not the centre of our story, uh, but he is the centre of the story uh, that he is inviting us into. And so I want to think about one thing that we, uh, it's not about when it comes to looking up, and then three things uh, that it is about when it comes uh, to looking up. And so the first thing is, it's not about our feelings. Three times in that opening passage of the the psalm, it commands us to sing. It says, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord and praise his name. 
you know, we could say, well, why don't I just wander in to worship when I like? Or, you know, why don't I spend worship texting my friends or chatting in the lobby or looking at my email? Why do I have to spend some time in, you know, in the week privately worshipping the Lord? Why do, I, why do I have to do that? Why should I sing to the Lord? Why should I worship him? And I guess the most obvious reason is because the scriptures command us to do it. Uh, we see further on in verse 7, he says, Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord. Literally hundreds and thousands of times throughout the scriptures, we see this command to sing, to, to worship, uh, to pay homage to the, to the Lord. And see, this, this command, it doesn't address our feelings. It's not about our feelings. It, it addresses our convictions. The problem is, is that we, we are taught to live subjectively, aren't we? Uh, we're, we're taught to live in a way where we tell ourselves, if it feels good, I should do it. That's the kind of uh, culture that we live in. But convictions are different. You know, my convictions go beyond my feelings. They're the things that reveal who I really am. They're the things that are most important to me. So sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. day. You know, some days we wake up, don't we? And we feel emotionally up. We feel like worshipping the Lord. We feel like uh, reading our Bibles. We feel like praying. We... um, we feel like doing all of those things. Other days, we wake up emotionally down. I do anyway. And we feel numb inside, don't we? We don't feel like um, talking to God. We don't feel like we want to pray. We don't feel like we want to read the scriptures. But the psalmist says, sing to the Lord, praise to his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. On the good days... On the, on the bad days, when I'm up, when I'm down, when I'm feeling it, when I'm not feeling it. You know, if I could be completely honest with you for the moment, you know, if as a leader in the church, I was to decide to lead from a place of my feelings, there's going to be some Sundays when you show up here expecting to see me and I won't show up. There's going to be moments in my life, if I went with my feelings then I'd probably wreak havoc and destruction. You see, our feelings aren't always reliable. And so our conviction is is that if we're going to live successfully, if we're going to live in this season of transition, this next chapter of our journey together as a church community, we don't make a God of ourselves. And we don't make a God of our own feelings. And we don't bow down to our own moods. But instead, we come, become a people who bow down and worship God. And that's rooted in the convictions of our hearts, isn't it? It's not rooted in how I feel today, but it's how the convictions that drive me. See, it's not about us. It's not about our feelings. It's not about how up I feel today. And so if it's not about us, and it's not about our feelings, and we're not called to worship at the altar of our feelings, then what is it about? 
Well, first of all, it's about God. It's about God. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. That when we come and we lay our lives down before him, it's about him. You know, sometimes we think, oh, you know, I didn't enjoy worship today. And that's good because we wasn't worshipping you. But did God enjoy our worship? Was our worship sincere? Was it heartfelt? Was it honest? Was it full of truth? In Amos, in the book of Amos, the, the people of God, they bring their offerings to the Lord and, and he, he gives them a sobering response. He says this in Amos 23, Away with the noise of your song. I will not listen to the music of your harps. See, when we li- think about living an upward life um, where it's about him, our worship of him, it has to be full of truth. It has to, it has to be honest. It, it has, to be, has to be sincere. It has to be rooted in the reality of who he is. And it's all about him. The second thing is it, it, it has to be about God's glory. Just throughout that psalm, not in the version that Sam read, but um, in the real Bible, it, it constantly talks about God's glory. Verse 3, it says, declare his glory amongst the nations. Verse 6, splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Uh, verse 7, ascribe to the Lord all you families of the nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. You see, the Bible is essentially a book about God, isn't it? It's not a book about humans. Uh, It might teach us some things about humans and the human condition, but primarily the Bible teaches us about God and about God's glory. Now, glory is uh, not an easy word to define, but essentially it's about applying worth to something, beauty, value. Um, The Hebrew word for glory uh, means weight or substance or or brilliance, or radiant beauty. And to glorify someone is to recognise their worth, recognise their beauty, to to speak about their worth in public, um, uh, to make clear that their opinions hold weight, uh, that their being, their very presence is is weighty. Uh, To glorify God, to praise him, to to speak openly and truthfully about God's value, his worth. And so when we talk about giving God glory, we're actually saying he's worth something. He's, he's worth our attention. He's worth our praise. That if we're going to live an upward life, it's because God's worth it. Not because we're fulfilling some religious duty, not because we're doing the right thing, but because he's worth it. That's why we live in this upward direction. And so, um, you know, we can think about, um, we can think about glory in, 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 in another way too. Um, you know, imagine, you know, that you, you have a possession uh, that, that, you, that you lose. Now, there's some things that you can lose you know, like a hat or a scarf, and you think, oh, well, 
it's just a hat or a scarf. I'll, I'll buy a new one. Um, incidentally, we found a scarf in church today, just in case. But, um, you know, we can, we, can lose, we can lose things like that and we don't, don't really care. But then we can lose other things. <laughs> I don't know, I remember I lost my wedding ring once. Um, I don't know what that says about our relationship, but um, uh, we can lose it. And I haven't got it on now. Um, <laughs> I just put my hand in my pocket. <laughs> um, but we can lose things like wedding rings or we, like f- uh, a family heirloom or you know, um, maybe a document you've been working on that you don't have a backup for. And, and, and you lose something like that and it, you're gutted, aren't you? It's, it's harsh. It's hard. Maybe we, we lose a loved one and it's crushing and it's painful. And see, as, as followers of Jesus... Giving glory means that we constantly recognise that if we lose him, we lose everything. If we, if we lose him, life wouldn't be worth living. And so it's about giving glory to God. And then lastly, number four, it's about God's kingdom. As we live in an upward life, it's about living under the, the kingdom of God. Verse 10 says, Say amongst the nation, the Lord reigns. The, uh, the world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. You see, the kingdom of God is central, isn't it, to the ministry of Jesus. Wherever he went, he preached this message of the good news of the kingdom. Now, the kingdom of God, as we understand it, particularly in the the vineyard, is this idea that the kingdom is the rule and reign of God. It's, It's God's right to rule. The kingdom of God is what life is like when God gets to run everything. That's what the kingdom is like. But right now, we still live, don't we, in a place where it's our will is done, not just his will is done. And so often, when we think about the kingdom of God coming, we think about the rule of God entering into our situations, we, we think about the big things, don't we? We think about the sick being healed. We think about the poor being fed. We, we think about justice being given. We, we think about strongholds being taken down. But the fact is, is that the, the reign of God comes and it begins in the little things, in the little moments of our lives. Someone once said that when we give our lives to Jesus, it's a bit like we write him a check for £10,000. And we give him this cheque for £10,000. He banks it and he, give us, he gives us it all back in, in change. You know, pound coins, fivers, tenors, twenties, fifties. And we're given back all this change because it's our job to then reinvest ourselves in his kingdom. Now sometimes Jesus will ask us to invest a couple of quid. You know, invest, asks us to invest in, in, in a small thing. Maybe he asks us to invest in our relationship with him. 
Maybe a couple of quid is like making the choice to get up half an hour earlier this week uh, to pray and be in the Lord's presence. Maybe that couple of pounds for you is, is uh, when you drive your car and someone cuts you up, not responding the way you usually respond. You know, these are all moments, aren't they, when the kingdom of God is breaking in. Um, sometimes he invites, uh, he, he invites us to invest in the, his reign um, with, with maybe a fiver or a tenner, a tenner's worth of obedience. Maybe a tenner's worth of obedience is choosing to forgive that person who hurt you. Maybe a, a tenner's worth of investment is, is, is choosing to uh, forgive that person who let you down. Sometimes our investment in the kingdom is much more expensive. Maybe it's a hundred pounds worth of obedience or a thousand pounds worth of obedience. And maybe, maybe that is something that's a little bit harder to do. Maybe that means giving up that a relationship that isn't working. Maybe uh, it's giving up those habits that are controlling you. Maybe, uh, maybe it's learning to think differently, uh, to think differently to the way that's been ingrained in you for so long. And so as we become people who live in this upward direction, we realise it's completely opposite to the world around us. It's completely opposite, isn't it? See, we live in a world that's self-obsessed, a, a world that's me-centred and, and centred around what I'm doing and what I can do. But actually, God's story, he's at the centre. He's the one who gets all the glory. He's the one who gets all the credit. He's the one who gets to rule and reign. And so... Um, I guess the question this morning is, is that as we think about living in this upward dimension, is it worth it? Is it worth it? Can we actually seriously think we can, we can give it all to this? Or, or is there some reservations? Do we feel a little bit worried? Maybe I can't, I can't go that whole, whole step. I can't invest all of that into the rule and reign of God in my life. And so I, I, I just sensed there was a, maybe a couple of different groups of us this morning as we bring things to a close, we'd love to just pray and minister to. And, and, and so I, one of the things that I sensed was that just maybe there's some of us who, you know, you acknowledge that you are a person ruled by your emotions. And, um, and actually, God's place in your life is dictated by how you feel. And so if you woke up this morning feeling good, God's good. But if you woke up this morning feeling a little bit down, you're not completely sure if God's good anymore. And I, I, just, feel, I just feel for some of us, that's how we live our lives. We... We allow our emotions to dictate our relationship with God. And then I think for others of us, there's, there's areas of our lives um, that we know Jesus is asking to come under his rule and reign. 
And they may be some attitudes, they may be some habits, they, they may be some ways that we, we think about things or deal with things. It might be that Jesus has already told you something. He's already put his finger on it, maybe weeks ago. And you know ever since then you've just been running away, thinking there's no way I'm going to give that up, or there's no way I'm going to, uh, I'm going to place God at the centre of that. It's too painful. It's too scary. And so what we would love to do is, is if, if any of that means anything to any of you, we'd love to pray for you this morning. Um, and maybe just um, see what the Lord wants to do. Um, but before we do that, I just, I just felt it would be good just to get a couple of folks to come and help us just do some ministry this morning. So who can, who can I pick on? Um, Sam, do you want to come and help? Uh, Nikki, would you come and help? 